And that is what we're all here for here at Liberty University, is to figure out how we can surrender to God. How can, how can we become what God wants us to become, to go out and make an impact, to make a difference in our world, to make an impact in, in the people that we come in contact with, in our family, and our friends, those who need to know what Jesus Christ can do for them, what Jesus Christ did for us. The fact that he did come to this earth 2,000 years ago, died on that cross for us, rose again for us, and because of that, we are given that free gift of salvation, that gift that transforms us, that changes us, that makes us into something of value to God. And isn't that what we all want, is to be someone of value to God? Someone that literally, no matter what career path we choose, no matter what direction we go, that we are somebody that God has put his hand upon and God is using to change the lives of other people. We just witnessed, I think, a wonderful observation and a wonderful example of someone who has decided that they're going to go out and make an impact and making a difference by being a champion with Lieutenant Malasi, who will now go out and serve our country. Who will go out and, and try to make a difference in the Air Force and, and for the citizens of our entire country. That is the type of service that we talk about. And though he will be serving our president and serving our country and serving our people, I know for a fact that he will also be serving his Lord. Because he's decided that even though he is going to go into the Air Force, he's going to do it as a young champion for Christ. Last semester... Throughout the entire semester in our convocations and in various different speakers, we talked about what it meant to be a champion for Christ. We talked about what it meant to have a heart of a champion. You see, for so many years here at Liberty University, my dad stood in this place, at this podium, and he called the students of Liberty University and the faculty of Liberty University, the staff of Liberty University, to rise up as champions for Christ. And over and over and over again, he shared those thoughts. He shared that vision, that passion that he had to raise up a generation of young people who would go out and change the world. Well, that passion hasn't changed. That vision hasn't stopped. In fact, where we are today, that vision is enhanced. That passion is increased. Because, you know, we live in a world of people who are dying and going to hell, and God has called each and every one of us to reach them. God has called us to be the ones to go out and to make a difference. And so last semester, we talked about what does it mean to be a champion for Christ? What does it mean to have a heart of a champion? And all of the things that we talked about last semester, we talked about integrity. We talked about perseverance. We talked about fraternity. We talked about audacity. We talked about so many other things that all dealt with the inward person, that dealt with your heart, on who you are, on your knees before God in a personal relationship between your heart and God's heart, of who you are and who God is raising you up to be. This semester, we're going to continue that thought, but we're going to transform it a bit and go into what it means to have the life of a champion. 
You see, last semester we dealt with the inward. This semester we're going to deal with the outward. Because, you know, we could prepare our hearts over and over and over again. We could do all of the things that we talked about last semester. We could, we could make sure that our hearts are prepared. We could make sure that we're living lives of integrity. We could do all of those things. But yet, if we don't go out and do something with it, then we will never become a champion. The only way to actually be a champion is to go out and act like a champion. To make a difference. To touch the lives of other people. To pour yourselves out into other people. To make a difference where a difference needs to be made. You see, God has called all of us to go out and to, and to be that person. He's called all of us to go out. And, and today we, we start this series of the life of a champion by studying and focusing on one aspect, which I think is the critical aspect of being a champion, and that is service. Service. Making sure that we are serving other people. Making sure that we are serving God. That is the critical element to truly being a champion for Christ. You will never be a champion for Christ without also being a servant. Christ modeled that example for us over and over again by he himself serving others, serving those who had decided to follow him, his own disciples. Throughout his entire ministry, he served. He helped those who were sick. He healed those who could not see, who could not hear. He raised the dead. All of those things we call the miracles. All of those things we, we talk about and we study and we think about how wonderful Christ was. But all of those were examples of being a servant. Of serving others. And so today we're going to start this Life of a Champion series by talking about service. And today we're going to talk about two aspects of service. Really the only two aspects of service. One is the service to man and one is service to God. If you'd open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 6, we are going to look at a passage of scripture that I believe gives us a clear picture of what it means to be a servant. Of what it means to be a champion. It says, starting with verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Verse 5 says, For each one shall bear his own load. Verse 6, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be, de be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then in verse 9 it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Today I want to talk about service to man and service to God. The two aspects of being a servant, the two aspects that we must simply understand, we must comprehend, and we must put into action in our own lives. We have to go out and we have to serve other people. You see, God didn't call us to do all of those things and to prepare our lives and to prepare our hearts to be a champion to simply sit and do nothing. God called us to go out and make that difference. 
to reach into the lives of those who are hurting, to reach out to the lives of those who need to hear about the hope that comes from the cross of Jesus Christ, to make a difference in their lives because without Christ, my friends, we are lost. Without Christ, the world is lost. Without Christ, my friends, we will have family members, friends, and people that we've never even come in contact that will lose their lives because they've not met Christ. And it is our job, it is our responsibility to go out and to serve them. And the way that we serve them is to we go out and we take the faith, the hope, and the love that we have inside of our lives because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross and we share it with them, we give it to them, and we make a difference. But there's four basic things that I want to share with you today. Four basic points as we talk about service, as we're talking about being a servant, about serving man, about serving God. The first one is this. We need to always help those who have fallen. Help those who have fallen. We just read in verse 1, and I'm going to read it now in the New Living Translation because I believe it takes a little bit different take, a little bit different twist on this verse. I think that that is a powerful, powerful testament to what we should do. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You see, what that verse is telling us, you know what, as we go through life, whether we are in college or whether we're in our career or whether we're retired, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, you are always going to come in contact with a fellow Christian who has fallen. A believer who maybe has fallen by the wayside. A believer who has, for some reason, lost their direction and lost their path. And the Bible is clear here that it is our responsibility to reach out to them, to wrap our arms around them, to love them, to share with them how Jesus can restore them, how we can make a difference in their lives. That is what we are called to do. Unfortunately, so many Christians today, when someone falls, our first reaction is to kick them. Our first reaction is to talk about them. Our first reaction is to go to others and say, did you, did you hear what happened to this person? Did you hear what they did? Can you believe they, they actually made that decision? Can you believe they made that mistake? Can you believe they, they, they did those things? And, and that is, the unfortunately, so many times the first reaction that we have. The Bible, though, gives us a totally different picture. The Bible says, no, when, when you come across someone who's fallen... When you come across someone who has fallen into sin, who's made a mistake, who maybe has gotten off the path, has uh, gotten off that narrow path that, that we've called, that God has called us to follow, what does it say to do? It says to lift them up. It says to reach out to them. It says to love them and care for them and do everything that we can to, to restore them. How do we do that? Well, we do it, I think, in three different ways. First, through prayer. James 5.16 gives us a wonderful picture of what prayer can do. It tells us that how the, the fervent prayer of, of people who, follow, who are following God and serving God, how they are so powerful. Those prayers are something that we can't possibly comprehend the difference that it can make and the impact that it can make in the lives of other people. And so the first thing that we must do if we're going to help those who have fallen is not to gossip about them, not to talk about them, not to make fun of them, but rather to pray for them. To pray for them. And I don't mean in the way that you know, sometimes churches get when you pray for someone who's fallen. 
someone who's made a mistake or fallen into sin, a lot of times what will happen in some churches is they'll get together and say, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so because let me tell you what they did. And, and it becomes a holy opportunity to gossip. That's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to lift them up in prayer, to pray fervently for them because we know that the prayers of those who are following God, the righteous, avails much. It does much. It's powerful. We pray for them. The second thing that we must do as we try to help those who have fallen, we try to help those who, who have gotten off the path and gone the, the wrong direction, is that we give them a godly example. A godly example. In other words, when someone has fallen by the wayside, it is our responsibility and our job to model for them, to give them an example of what it means to live for God. Now listen, this is one thing that I want to make sure that I get across today. No one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. The Bible tells us that our hearts are desperately wicked. The Bible tells us in Romans that we're all sinners. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that none of us, none of us will be free from sin. And so we are not to live self-righteous lives. We're not to be hypocrites. We're not to walk around uh, trying to make others uh, feel less than we are, trying to make others feel like, you know, uh, I've got it all together. Uh, my relationship with God, I'm telling you, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. That is not what I'm talking about, about being an example. What I mean is this, is to be transparent to other people, to those who have fallen to those who maybe are not far, as far along in the faith as you are. We need a band of transparent Christians who will share with others and say, guys, let me tell you something, I make mistakes too. I do things that are wrong too. I make the wrong decisions sometimes. But you know what? Uh, you know, I, I do everything I can to follow God. I'm doing everything that I possibly can to try to, to seek after His will in my life. And you know what? Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I make mistakes. I can tell you there's not a person sitting on this stage today. I mean, you've got wonderful people up here. Dr. Towns, Dr. Riss, Dr. Godwin, Dr. Heinz, and all of these guys. Uh, I'm telling you, they've, they've lived these, these decades and decades and decades of serving Christ. And I'm telling you, there's not a one of them that would stand up here to say today and say, you know what, I've got it all together. We all make mistakes. Johnny and I are much younger than these guys, but you know what, we make mistakes. We do things in our lives that we just sit there after we're done. Are you back here smiling again and grinning? We need to get a little bit higher chair so nobody can see you back here. And it wouldn't have to be that much of a higher chair, actually. It's just a little bit. Are you done? Okay. We all make mistakes, guys. Everybody makes mistakes. We do things that are wrong. We do things that, that sometimes people look at us and say, man, I thought they had it all together. And they blew it. You know what? We're all going to blow it. But thank God that we are all cleansed by His blood. And 1 John 1, 9 says, you know what? You blow it, great. Here's what you do. You confess your sins, and guess what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and it doesn't matter how bad it is. And so what we do by being an example to others and making a difference in others' lives is, you know what? When someone else blows it, we go to them and say, guys, let me tell you something. I blow it sometimes too, but you know what? God will restore you. God can change you. God can bring you back. And that's the third way that we reach out to those who have fallen, to help those who have fallen, is we understand that we need to give them our care. We pray for them. We give them a godly example. And then you know what? We care for them. 
And this is where I think so many churches blow it. This is where I think so many churches make the wrong decisions and the wrong mistakes. When someone falls, when someone makes a mistake, that person is cast aside. They're like a leper. That church decides, you know what, we can't use them anymore. They can't be around here anymore. We don't want them around here anymore. You know what a church really should be? A church should be, and every church in the world is, a whole big group of people who blow it. A whole big building of people who make mistakes. But it's a big group of people that, you know what, we make mistakes, but God forgives us and we're doing everything we can to make it. That's what being a champion is all about. We care for others. My dad is an example uh, in my life. I can tell you that my dad was a person that it didn't matter how many times you made a mistake. It didn't matter what you did in your life. It didn't matter what, what problems you had or what situations that you were in. My dad was a person who modeled time and time again of reaching out to those who have fallen, lifting them up, restoring them. And you know what? I believe that is a model for each and every one of us. We need to care for those who are fallen. The second thing we need to do is service to man is we need to help those who are hurting. We need to help those who are hurting. Galatians 6.2, it says, share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone in need, you're only fooling yourself. And you are really a nobody. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? If you think you're too good to help others, you're a joke. You're a loser. You're a nobody. Anybody here want to be a nobody and a loser? No. We all want to be champions. We all want to make a difference. You know what? The Bible tells us you want to do that. Here's what you do. You reach out to those who are hurting. You reach out to those who are in need. And you make a difference in their lives. You do that in two different ways. The first one is social change. We live in a world of people who are hurting. All through the semester, there will be opportunities for you to go and get involved in missions trips, uh, to go in the, with our light teams and go to various places all over the world. Johnny just returned from India a couple of days ago. And in so many opportunities that you will have as students to go to, to countries where people uh, literally are yearning to hear the Word of God, who maybe don't even know where they're going to get their, their breakfast from tomorrow morning, you can go and make a difference in their lives. That's what we talk about when we talk about social change. But you know what? You don't have to travel around the world to do that. Uh, you can go right here in Lynchburg and do that. In whatever community you're from, there are people who are hurting. There are people who literally need to have a place to live, a place to, to have lunch and have dinner, a place to, to call home, a place to maybe to, to get clothes that are warm enough, to keep them warm in the cold weather. All of those things. We need to be people who will reach out to them. And this is a place I think that a lot of churches in today's world uh, have also missed the boat. Because you know, there are a lot of churches out there that are so into the social gospel. That, that everything that they focus on is meeting the needs of people and, and, and feeding the hungry and, and clothing those and, and, and a shelter for those and all those types of things, but yet they don't ever share the gospel. But then we've got this other group of churches that are so passionate about reaching this world for Christ and, and they get so caught up and focused on that, which is a wonderful thing, that they forget the social needs. They forget that, you know what, we might share the gospel with them, but you know what, where are they going to sleep tonight? What are they going to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning? Where are they going to live? The Bible tells us clearly, you know what? We're to meet both needs. Social change and spiritual change. The Bible tells us, Galatians 6, 2. All of us. 
Every single one of us. If you want to be a champion, you know what? We are required. It is our job, it is our duty, it is our responsibility to help those who are hurting. To reach out to them and meet their needs in a physical sense, but also to meet their needs in a spiritual sense. To share with them the gospel, the life-changing, the life-transforming message that comes from the cross of Christ. And that's our job. That's how we put into practice what we learned about last semester. On how to be a champion. On how to have the heart of a champion. We have to take it and put it into practice and go out there and actually make a difference in people's lives and serve man. But you know what? We also need to serve God. Two different levels of servanthood. Service to man, service to God. And that's a critical element that so many times uh, we forget. And those churches that I shared with you a few moments ago, they get caught up often in meeting the needs of people who are hurting and meeting the needs of those who who might need a a place to live and a place to, to have dinner and all of those types of things. But they forget that their service to God is critical. And so as we talk about service to God, there's two things I want to share with you here. The first one is this, is that we must be striving for personal holiness. In Galatians 6, we already read verse 7, it says, Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences, listen to this, of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You see, what that verse is telling us is, you know, we need to seek personal holiness. Strive for personal holiness. Make that a constant uh, thing that, is, that is, we focus on every single morning when we get up. When we go to bed at night, when we go to classes, when we go to school, when we go to church, when we go to work. Whatever we are doing, we are constantly seeking personal holiness. Striving to be what God wants us to be. Making sure that we're not allowing things to creep into our lives that will separate us, that will build that wall between us and God and keep us from becoming uh, what God wants us to be. There's a couple ways that we do that. A a couple ways that we can can focus on if we try, when we try to strive for personal wholeness. One thing we must do is we we must always be in constant prayer. I already shared with you James 5.16 that the prayers of a righteous person avails much. You know what? If you want to strive for personal holiness, you better be a person of prayer. Dad often said that you don't measure a, a man's greatness by his wealth or, or his fame or his talent as the world does, but rather by what it takes to discourage him. And, and one thing that we can get a source of encouragement and comfort every single day is by going to God in prayer every single day. He also said often that a man is no more than what he is on his knees before God. Did you hear that? That you are nothing except for what you are on your knees before God. Time and prayer. That personal communication. That personal relationship with God. You see, we've got to understand it. We've got to understand that, that our only source of strength, our only source of ability to go out there and do the things that God has called us to do, we don't have what it takes inside of us. That's something I've been talking about for the last eight months at Thomas Road. You know what? We don't have inside of us what it takes to, uh, to make an impact in this world. We don't have what it takes to go out and live for God. We don't have inside of us what it takes to be a champion for Christ. Only through Him. Can we find that source of strength? 
And the way we get that source of strength is to be in constant prayer to God, constantly seeking His face and seeking what He has to say to us. The second thing we must do is we must fill our minds with that which is pure. One way we do that is by reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, studying and making sure that we are pouring these words and, and, and the wisdom that comes from these words into our lives every single day. Every single day we are looking to find something that God wants to tell us. And the one thing that I can tell you for sure is that if you are not filling your mind up with the Word of God, if you're not filling your mind up with that which is pure, you can be sure that Satan will fill your mind up with that which is impure. You can be sure that Satan will do everything that he can to fill your mind up with garbage, with filth, with things that will destroy you. And we just read that in verse 7. That God's not mocked. Don't fool yourself. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest only the consequences of decay and death. Now, I believe what that verse is telling us here, that if you don't fill your minds up with that which is pure, if you don't spend your time studying the Word of God and trying to to learn from God and get that wisdom that Proverbs talks about over and over again, that wisdom that comes only from God, then Satan will make sure that your minds and your hearts will be filled with decay and death. That spiritual decay, spiritual death, he will destroy you. He will make sure that you will never become a champion for Christ. He will make sure that when you go out to serve God, when you go out into your career, when you go out and do whatever it is that God has called you to do, He will make sure that you fail. Even if you have the greatest of intentions. Because you see, the Bible tells us that we need to seek the wisdom that comes from God. And Proverbs tells us over and over again that if we're not seeking after that wisdom, if we're not finding that wisdom, then we are on the road to destruction. We have to make sure that we are filling our minds with that which is pure and emptying our minds of that which is impure. And then we need to make sure that we get the world's influence out of the way. And you know what? In today's world, this is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And I don't care if you're in a Christian university or a secular university. I don't care if you're in the greatest church in the world or the worst church in the world. I don't care if you're in no church. It doesn't matter where you live. The world is going to have an influence on you and it is getting worse every single day. And I'm telling you, the fight, the battle that we are going to have to remain pure, to remain, to keep our minds on the right path is going to get tougher every single day. Far tougher than all of us have had as we've grown up. You guys are going to fight a far different battle. You guys in in your hearts and your minds are going to be doing things and seeing things and, and, and dealing with things that we can't even comprehend. That when I was growing up, we, we didn't even exist. And that's the direction that the world is going. And you know what? We're a Christian university. We talk about, hey, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. We're a university that stands on truth. We're a university that stands on the Word of God. We're a university that talks about raising up champions for Christ. But you know what? Within this university, if we, and I mean all of us, I don't care if you're a freshman or a doctoral student or a faculty member or if you're sitting on the stage, if we are not all deliberate if we don't all keep focused on making sure that we keep pure in our own lives and that we make sure that garbage doesn't come out of our mouth and that we're not looking at garbage and to make sure that we're not uh, trying to, uh, to see things or do things or, or, or hear things that will destroy us and damage us, if we're not careful, this university, as great as it is, this university will falter and it will fail in its mission if all of us don't take that to heart.
if all of us don't grab hold of that concept that we need to make sure that we get the world's influences out of the way and we focus on what God would have us focus on. And that's not to say that we shouldn't live in the world. We do. And the Bible tells us to be in the world. The Bible tells us to go out and make a difference in this world. But you know what? We don't need to be of this world. We need to be different. We need to have that mindset that people can look at us and see, you know what? There's something different about them. There's something radically different about their heart and about their spirit, about their countenance. That, that is what God has called us to do. And if we don't do it, we will fail in our mission. We will fail in our passion. We will not raise up champions for Christ. You will not become all that God wants you to become. And we're just wasting our time here. The fourth thing I want to share with you today on how to have the life of a champion, a service to God and service to man is this, is don't quit. Don't quit. That's a message that my dad stood on this stage over and over again and shared with all of us. Don't quit. Keep on going. Don't let things get you down. Don't let things discourage you. Ron mentioned that we have 700 new students here uh, this semester. And I don't have any doubt in my mind that some of you are here, and some of you probably are already a little bit homesick. You're already a little bit nervous. You're already a little bit challenged, and, and you're not sure that this is the right place for you. You're not sure that maybe you need to be here. Well, I want to tell you this. God brought you here for a reason. God has placed you in this place, in this, this room, and in this university for a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is, but you know what? If you get on your knees before God, He'll show it to you. He will put it into your mind. He will give you a passion to make it happen. And my friends, you will become all that God wants you to become. Don't quit. Maybe you've been here for four years. Maybe this is your last semester. Maybe you're excited because pretty soon you're going to get ready to go out into this world and start your career. Well, when you do walk out of here, as you study in this last semester, you make a commitment to yourself that, you know what, even when I leave this place, I am not going to quit trying to become a champion. I'm not going to quit studying the Word of God. I'm not going to quit spending time in prayer. I'm not going to quit trying to make an impact, trying to make a difference, trying to have that heart of a champion every single day of my life. Don't quit. We have the privilege and the opportunity of being in a university that is passionate about reaching this world with the gospel. We have the privilege and opportunity of being in a place where God is lifted up, where every event and every activity, we, we start with praise and worship music to, to prepare our hearts and to prepare our minds to hear from God. We have the privilege and the opportunity of being in a university where, where all of the professors believe the Word of God, who teach the Word of God, who stand on the Word of God. We are, have the privilege and the opportunity of being in a university that truly has a mission and a passion to change the world. But the one thing that I want you to understand is that the only way that this university can change the world, the only way this university can make an impact in this world, the only way this university can reach this world for Christ is through the people that are sitting in this room. These buildings around here, they're not going to do anything. These buildings around here, this mountain, this, this, this place that we call liberty, you know what? It will never be able to reach the world. Only the people who walk in its doors and leave this campus will be able to change the world. And that means you, and you, and you, and you, and everybody in this room. And the only way it's going to happen is if you decide right here, right today, in this time that you are spending here, that you decide 
I want to be a champion for Christ. I want to transform the world. I want to reach out and make a difference. And the way you do that is by learning to serve man, to serve God, and to make sure that nothing comes in the way or builds a wall to separate you from who God wants you to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, today we thank you for your love. We thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised us that you will do incredible things through our prayers, that you will do incredible things through our time that we spend with you, that you will do amazing things with our lives if we will commit to you, to serve you, to to go out into this world and make a difference. Lord, I pray for every person that is in this room. No matter where they're from, no matter what uh, part of the the university they are studying in, no matter what uh, career they have chosen, Lord, I pray that you will raise every single one of us up as a champion for you, committed to serving you, to making a difference in this world for you, to serving other people, to lifting up those who are hurting, uh, those who are fallen, those who have gotten into a, a difficult situation. Lord, I pray that you would send us out as ministers of hope and ministers of peace and ministers of love who will take that message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and change the world. In your name we pray.